Everybody ready for the storm to come in? I think I'm going to get to see what it's like to see a storm in here in New York City. So it's going to be interesting the next couple of days. Uh, let me tell you once again that I'm, we're very thankful of your prayers and your support for our family. And uh, we really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And we look forward to many more years of partnership as we continue to reach the Costa Ricans with the gospel. And uh, we, we try our best to get back to every church when we come home on furlough. And we want you to see what's going on in our ministry. We want to see you again. We want you to see us. And we want you to know that we, we appreciate the friendship that we have, the partnership that we have. And again, we don't take it for granted. So thank you so much. And uh, also want to thank Brother Peter back there and his wife. Thank you so much for everything you've done for me this last few days and taking care of me. And uh, I think you're going to have to take care of me for a couple more days. Is that okay? <laughs> so uh, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to get out of here in the morning. So uh, we'll see how many days. But thank you so much for all that you've done and your hospitality, taking care of me. And I also, every time I'm in here, I just uh, think, that, you know, what a miracle this uh, church is here in Astoria and this building here that God has given you. Uh, I've heard it termed a miracle. It really is a miracle. Amen. It's beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, I've been in a lot of churches in this area. In fact, I was just in one last week for a mission conference. And... Uh, you know, they're just in a storefront. That's all they can find. And what a miracle the Lord's given you here. Praise the Lord for this building and all the space you have. And uh, it's just amazing. And to see, you know, it's just, I don't know how to say it, but it's just a blessing to see. It's a blessing for missionaries when we come through to see how the Lord has given you, that, you know, provided through your sacrifice and maybe other people's sacrifice. The Lord has provided this for y'all. So what a blessing. So thank you again for your partnership. And uh, let me remind you, back on the table, I have prayer cards back there, and I have some other, you know, brochures, things like that. You're welcome to uh, go by and pick up anything you'd like after the service, and uh, I'll be back there. And so anything back there, there's uh, also some brochures about Central America. It talks a little bit about the missions, you know, the opportunities that we have. Our mission agency right now, uh, we are in oh, we're in 80 countries at the moment, and we desire our goal is to get into 100 countries. So pray about that. Our our mission agency is called Baptist International Missions, and uh, we now have over 1,000 missionaries. It was started in 1960, uh, and many of you might have heard of uh, Dr. Lee Robertson. He helped start this uh, mission board back in 1960. And uh, they started with just a few missionaries and now have over 1,000 missionaries. So pray about the 100 Nation Project. Back on the table, uh, of course, there's some brochures where you can actually see the site for BIMI. You're welcome to go on there and you can read about the 100 Nation Project so that you can pray that we can actually see uh, missionaries in 100 countries. That's our, our immediate goal. And then also there's a quite a lot of other information about missions that you can read uh, on their website. And uh, I thank the Lord for uh, good independent Baptist mission boards, BIMI, and then there's several other good 
independent Baptist mission boards, and I'm very thankful for that. And pray for us as we continue to uh, try to reach people all around the world. So uh, I want to speak to you tonight uh, about Christ's example in missions. Christ's example in missions. Now, if you look with me in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Matthew 9 and verse 35. Now, right before we read, I want you to know that I spoke in English the first hour, and then Spanish the second hour. Now I'm back in English tonight. So if I get a little confused, you know why, okay? Matthew 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they had fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Again, I want to speak to you tonight on Christ's example and missions. In this passage, you can see the best example. I know there's a lot of good examples in the Bible about missions. Paul is one of the, also one of the greatest examples on missions. We call Paul the father of missions, and, he, and uh, it's unbelievable how the Lord used him to do so much for missions. But I believe the best example is the example of Jesus Christ. And so in this passage, I see a few things that might help us regarding missions. Number one, I see in this passage Christ's observation. Christ's observation. Look with me in verse uh, 36. Verse 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes... But when he saw the multitudes, here is the, an observation that Christ made of the spiritual condition here. You know, the, the, the observation that we see here, folks, is he's not observing a physical need. He's not uh, observing maybe they have a physical problem. Uh, he is observing a spiritual problem. And we see in verse, uh, we see in verse 36, he says, they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know, if we're honest tonight, that's what we see right here in Astoria. That's what we see right here in New York. That's what we see right here in the United States. That's what we see every day in Costa Rica. People are just scattered abroad, wandering through life. They have no direction in life. They've never given their life to Jesus Christ, and they they've never allowed Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life, and they're just wandering through life with no direction. And you know, folks, here in this passage, uh, Christ on purpose was going through these villages and cities. He was on purpose uh, trying to reach and try, uh, trying to see that physical, that spiritual need. But I believe on, we, have, we on purpose need to see that spiritual need around us. 
We need to observe that spiritual need. It's because sometimes we begin to get so busy in life and we have a routine that we follow every day and we have to get up and we run to work and then we run home and then we run to pick up the kids. We run to do this or run to do that. And we're running all day, every day throughout life. And many times we don't on purpose see or observe that spiritual need around us. You know, Christ on purpose went through every city preaching and teaching, it says in verse 35. It wasn't just by chance that he observed that need. Some people say, well, uh, I just don't see the need. Well, if you on purpose are reaching people and on purpose teaching people and on on purpose sharing Christ with them, let me tell you, it's not going to be hard to observe the spiritual need around you. Amen. Uh, I can tell you that uh, when we go out on visitation there in Costa Rica, it doesn't take not even five minutes before we observe the spiritual need all around us. We see Christ's observation. Uh, Again, in verse 35, it says, He saw the multitudes. Let me ask you tonight, do you see the multitudes around you? Have you observed that spiritual condition that they are in? Have you on purpose observed that? But if we're honest tonight, I believe that we probably have all seen the need. Amen. I think we've all seen the need. If we're honest tonight, you would say, Brother Rick, I I have seen the spiritual need around me. I have seen the spiritual need right here in my city. Uh, Look, uh, I've only been here a couple days. Now, I went out uh, the other day. And this is pretty common for you probably, but uh, right in front of me were two men and they walked down the road uh, holding hands and then they started hugging and all that. Then I turned around and left. Now you've seen that need. You've seen it. You've seen it right here where you live. You've seen it in our country. We've seen it in Costa Rica. Missionaries all around the world have seen the spiritual need. But there's something very interesting here in this passage that we need to catch. The the observation of the spiritual need was not sufficient. Are you with me tonight? It was not enough just to observe the spiritual need. And we have all observed that need. In fact, I knew about the need in Latin America. Uh, I had taken a Hispanic... uh, 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 a missions trip as a senior in high school. And on that trip as a senior in high school, I observed a spiritual condition in Latinos. But it wasn't enough to just see that. It wasn't enough just to observe that need. Number two, we see the compassion of Jesus Christ. First, we see his observation, but what did that produce in him? It produced a sincere compassion for their spiritual problem. Amen. Isn't that good? It it produced in his heart a sincere compassion for that people. Look what it says in verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he just continued on. Is that what it says? But when he saw the multitudes, he just continue on through life with his routine of life. It says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Isn't that good, folks? He was moved with compassion. 
Do you know that uh, when you study the word compassion, it literally means that compassion will rip your insides out. Are you with me tonight? It will literally rip your insides out because you are so moved by what you see. And you know also the word compassion. If you look up the word compassion, do you know that it means that you will do everything that you can to alleviate the situation of that person? That's compassion. See, again, it's not enough just to see the need. Let me tell you, folks, this, this, this uh, right here, this is a blessing to see all the missionaries right here. That means that uh, you have been moved with compassion. See, compassion will cause you to give the missions because you're going to do everything that you can to alleviate the problem of that other person that you've seen. Uh, compassion will cause you to go out and tell people about Christ every week. Because you have got to help them. You've got to alleviate that problem. And you know that the only way to alleviate that problem, that spiritual problem, is by bringing them to Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the only way that we can help them with that spiritual problem. Again, there's sheep going through life. It says they're wandering with no direction in life as sheep having no shepherd. We know the answer. We that have accepted Christ as Savior, we understand that Christ can give them direction in their life. Christ can change their life. Christ can change their marriage, their home. Christ can do a great work in their life. And so we want to bring them to Jesus Christ. And compassion compels us to go out and do it week after week. Even when they throw that track down, even when they say, I don't want it. Even when they say, even when they do uh, things right here in the street of your city that are against God and against his word, you, compassion compels you to continue, continue, because you know that there's some people somewhere are going to listen. Someday, someone's going to say, you know what, I've been looking for something. And you're going to be able to share Jesus Christ with them. Compassion, again, will rip your insides out so much. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but to the point where you can't even sleep at night. Have you experienced that, where you're so brokenhearted for somebody? You're so moved for a family member or a co-worker or, or someone right here in your city that you know, and, and you know their life is being destroyed by Satan, and you know that the only answer is that they give their heart to Jesus Christ, and it moves you so much that it literally almost can make you sick if you, learn, if you look at the word compassion. Compassion is much different than just feeling sympathy. There's a big difference. We can feel sympathy, but that doesn't compel me to alleviate their problem. Sympathy just makes me, you know, I feel bad about that. But compassion will cause you to say, by God's grace, I'm going to do everything I can to alleviate that problem. That's compassion. Compassion, again, will cause you to do your best to reach your city for Christ. I remember there in North Carolina, that's where we started uh, one work. We started that in 2001. 
That was before we went to Costa Rica. We started to work there in 2001, and one Saturday, we were knocking on doors. Do you know that when we would go knock on doors and try to tell people about Christ, you know that uh, most of the Latinos there, they were so Catholic, they wanted nothing to do with us. Most of the time, we didn't get any responses. Very few people actually would come as a result of the track. But you know, compassion compels you to continue, 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 because you know that's the only answer is to get the gospel to them. I remember one Saturday, we had had several Saturdays in a row where we hadn't really seen a lot of results. And this one Saturday, we knocked on the door of a family from Mexico. And there was a teenage boy there, 14 years of age, named Eliel. You know that uh, there was a lot of people in the house, and we really didn't talk very well. And I asked of the parents, I said, uh, there's a you know, little uh, restaurant right down the road. Would you mind if we just took your son down here and talked to him for a little bit about church? And she, oh, yeah, you can talk to him about church. And uh, I, we took him down there, and what we were doing was wanted to talk to him about Jesus Christ. And you know that day, Eliel accepted Christ as his personal Savior. Eliel began to come to church. Then he invited his sister, and his sister was 12 at that time, and she came, and she got saved. My wife had the opportunity to lead her to the Lord. Then they were coming, and then one day his parents, their parents come walking in. Isn't that great? Mom and dad came in, and they got saved. You know, to this day, that family is faithful in the church there in North Carolina. But fast forward to today, Eliel was 14 years of age when he accepted Christ. You know that today he's pastoring a Hispanic church in New Jersey? Why? Not because we've done anything special. Compassion just makes you continue and keep going and keep going and keep going. And you know that one day that there's going to be a situation where you can share Jesus Christ with somebody. And then Jesus Christ does the whole work. He changes lives, and he's the one who calls people to the ministry. He does it. But we've got to get the gospel to these people. And compassion will make you keep going and keep going and keep going and keep doing it. And he's uh, probably not too far from here, a place called... Morristown, something like that, New Jersey. Uh, back in June, one of my first meetings after I was, uh, actually I hadn't even been released from the doctor yet. Don't tell my doctor that, okay? One of my first meetings was able to go preach the first conference ever that he had in his church. And we were able to preach a Bible conference and help ground them in the Word. What a blessing. And you could give the same examples of people in your life that you've seen change. Give you one more example. Uh, we, in our church there in North Carolina, we had uh, a man from Mexico that was coming pretty faithful, but then we, 
he had kind of gotten out of church a little bit, and really he wasn't that faithful, but we had a men's meeting, and, and he decided to come, and then he said, you know what, I'm going to invite my nephew. His nephew was a boy named Angel. Angel means angel in, Spanish, in English. And Angel, he came to that men's meeting. You know that in that men's meeting, he rededicated his life to the Lord. He had been saved earlier, but he had gotten away from the Lord. And that means he rededicated his life. And then we began to work with this young boy. He was only probably 19 years of age at that time. We began to work with him. You know that compassion not only, not only compels you to reach them with the gospel, but compassion is what makes you continue working with them in discipleship also to help them grow. Because if you have sincere compassion, again, you're going to do everything that you can to help alleviate that problem. And they have a spiritual problem. Even when they've come to know the Lord, they're just a babe in Christ. They need to grow spiritually. And see, compassion compels you to every week work with that person and help them grow spiritually. You know that when you have discipleship with people in the church, that, that's showing compassion. Because that's compassion towards their spiritual walk. You want to see them grow in the Lord. And, and maybe you're tired. Maybe you have a headache. And maybe you think, well, I don't want to do it this week. Well, compassion compels you to continue and do it and do it and continue working with these people. And, and then you see growth in them. There's great rewards when you see the growth in their spiritual walk. This young man, man, when he first started coming, my goodness, I thought, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this boy. He was something else. He was something else. And uh, he'd come in the office and he'd start telling me this and that about what he's involved with in. I'm thinking, my goodness, how are we ever going to get this boy out of all this stuff and into the, what he's supposed to be doing? And, and it took some time. And we, 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 we had a, spent a lot of time with him. And then... Then uh, he uh, met a young lady in our church, and he was growing. She was growing. Long story short, ended up getting married. And uh, I saw, we were able to see a lot of growth in them, them two. And uh, Eliel, uh, excuse me, Angel now is pastoring at work in North Carolina. I'm fast forwarding down the road, of course. But I remember when that young boy came to church. And if you'd have thought at that time he'd been pastoring one day, you'd have probably said no. But the Lord did a great work in him. And he was my, he, he got to the point where when I was still there, he was my assistant. And, and, and I could count on him for anything. And uh, I remember his wife giving a testimony when, uh, when we were leaving at the, our last service. Because uh, think about that. When a missionary, missionary has to work himself out of a job. That's what we do. And, and it's not easy when we have to leave the work. We've given our heart and soul to that work. And we've given our lives to those people. And then we turn that work over and we go start another church. And let me tell you, it'll rip your heart out. Leaving people that you've seen come to the Lord and you've seen them grow. I'll be honest with you folks, uh, the last two churches that we've turned over, literally, physically, 
It, it took a toll on me because you've given your life to these people. You've given your heart and your soul. And I remember the last service that we were there, uh, they asked for testimony, and, and not his wife, her name is Rebecca, and, and she got up and she gave a testimony. She said, I just want to thank God that Mono Rick, Brother Rick, he didn't give up on us. And he loved us. And he showed us compassion. And she said, we are where we are today because he never gave up on us. And, and, and why do we not give up on people? Because it's compassion. We, we, have, we have observed with our eyes a, a spiritual need, and that has burdened our hearts so much that that compassion compels us to do all we can. I don't know about you, but I never think that I do enough. I always think that I can do more. And, 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 and compassion will compel you not only to reach them, but compassion will compel you to continue work with them. Sometimes they're going to be hard-headed. Isn't that the truth? And, and sometimes they're not going to listen. And sometimes you want to grab them by the, the neck and say, are you listening to what God's Word says? But you keep working and you have patience and you keep working and working and compassion. Compassion compels you to do it. Have you been moved with compassion like it says here? It says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Number one, we see Christ's observation. Number two, we see Christ's compassion. Number three, we see an example of Christ's prayer. Look at the prayer that he has in verse 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Look what he says here. He just basically, he confirms the message about the multitude. He says, it's true, there is a great multitude. Because remember, he had just seen the multitude. you with me? He had just seen the multitude, and he says, you know what? It's true, there's a great multitude out there. The harvest is plenteous. But he says, the laborers are few. But remember, folks, he's been talking about compassion on that need. He says the laborers are few. There's been few people moved with compassion enough that they're willing to do something about it. Isn't that good? That, you know, that's convicting. You know, the, the laborers are few. There's just a few compared to that great multitude. There's just a few people that have been moved so much with compassion that they're going to do something about it. See, when you have been moved with compassion... To that point, then you know that by God's grace, you have to do something about it. You've got to do something about the loved ones that you know or, or the, uh, the people right here in your city, the people that you pass out tracks to every week and you continue you continue to work with people, even those that are just babes in Christ in the church and you know they need to grow spiritually. You are willing to work with them and have patience and see them grow. Why? Because you have been moved with compassion. And Christ says, let's pray to the Lord of the harvest. In other words, let's pray that more people will be moved to do something about this great multitude of people 
that are going through life as sheep having no shepherd. Amen. Isn't that good? That's a good thought here. Pray. Pray that there be more laborers. See, if you've been moved with compassion, you will, will do something about it. Let's pray that we'll see more laborers. Let's pray that more people will be moved with compassion. Not that we will feel sympathy. Not that we will just feel bad inside. No, that we will be sincerely moved with compassion. We see Christ's prayer. Then let me close tonight with number four. The example of Christ's action. Christ's action. We've seen number one. Christ's observation. Number two, Christ's compassion. The prayer, number three. And then number four, the example of Christ's action. Look at verse 35. I want to see, I want you to see the action that Christ showed us here by example. Do you realize, folks, that he wasn't just saying, okay, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He was actually showing us by example. Look at verse 35. And Jesus went about, what's it say? All the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Do you see the example here of his action? The example that he was actually preaching and teaching in every city. It says in all the cities. You know that we haven't gotten the gospel to all cities yet? We have not done it. The gospel is not in every city. Think with me about this. I I took a missions trip to the Dominican Republic. And we came, we, we flew into the capital, and then they got in this bus, and they said, well, okay, we're going to go out into the village, and we're going to go up the mountain. Let me tell you, folks, that they don't have any guardrails. And they start going up this mountain, and you go around these curves, and you can actually see over the mountain. And I'm thinking, if that driver makes one bad move, we're all over this mountain right here. I mean, you can see over, you can see all the way down. And we started going up this mountain. We, we went up to a little village in a place called Constanza. And let me tell you, folks, they did not have any running water and no electricity. And we went all the way up there to that village. It took about three hours to get up the mountain and get to that village. It was hot. Dominican Republic is hot. It, it, it was at least 95 degrees out there. And, and us poor, you know, Americans, you know, we think we have to have air conditioning and all that, right? And we're dying out there. It's just hot. And we're thirsty. And so we're thinking, what can we find to drink here in this little city? And so we started walking around trying to find a convenience store. And it was a convenience store. And they had a generator to pump their electricity in there. 
and they had a little refrigerator. And guess what we found up there? Some ice cold Coca-Cola. You should have seen us missionaries' face. We were happy. We found the ice cold Coca-Cola. You know what? It's amazing to me how they can have their product everywhere around the world. You can drive up a mountain three hours to a village with no running water, no electricity, and you can find an ice cold Coca-Cola. But there's, there's not a church, there's not a gospel preaching church there. Why is the gospel not in every city? in every village. You know, it, it was comical at the time, and then actually it began to tear at my heart and bother me. How can they have this here? And yet we don't have the gospel here. See, the example here of Jesus Christ it says that he was teaching in all cities. Verse 35 again, look, it says, went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Why? Why would he preach the gospel? Because that's the only answer. Because again, it says there's sheep wandering. It says as sheep having no shepherd. And so what's the answer? To preach the gospel. That's why he went in every city and every village. It's good. You know, sometimes you can take some medical relief to cities, and that's good. Sometimes you might be able to take, you know, even some material things, maybe clothes, and that's good. You can help people in those situations. But we understand that the most important thing that we can get in there to every city and every village is the gospel. So that's what Jesus Christ he was focusing on preaching the gospel. So we spoke tonight about Christ's example. Maybe the Lord has touched your heart tonight. We've seen Christ's observation his compassion We've seen his action. We've seen the prayer that he told us to pray. Pray that more people would be moved with compassion. Maybe the Lord has spoken to your heart tonight. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, as we pray and as we think about the message that we saw tonight, Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. I encourage you to give your heart to Jesus Christ tonight. Maybe you already are a child of God and you say, you know, Brother Rick, I've already accepted Christ and praise the Lord for that. But maybe you need to say tonight, uh, Brother Rick, pray that I will take the time and on purpose observe the need all around me. And pray that it will move me to sincere compassion 
because compassion will compel me to do something about it. Maybe you'll join this church and our church and Christians all around the world as we pray that the Lord will send forth more laborers and that more people would be moved with compassion to do something about it. Maybe you saw the example of Christ and you saw how he preached and he taught in every city and every village. Maybe that has spoken to you tonight. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to your heart tonight, but if, if God has spoken to your heart tonight, I challenge you to make decisions. As we all stand and as the pianist plays tonight, if God has spoken to your heart, I challenge you to come. You can pray right here in the front. Maybe you need to pray right there where you're at. The altar is open.